Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This supplement is not a significant source of vitamin C. What does the word significant mean in that sentence? That as far as your nutritional goals go, if you're looking to get your daily dose of vitamin C, look elsewhere. Because the amount of vitamin C in the pill you're about to take is not enough to make a difference. Making a difference. Significant. We are people, we are not supplements or pills, but we crave, we desire to be called significant, don't we? But when we talk about significance, personal significance, that is different than maybe success. You can be successful without being significant, can't you? You can be a successful watchmaker in a high-rise apartment in downtown Manhattan, but no one will learn your name and you won't really make a difference for that many people. You can be successful without being significant. But significance happens when our success meets people, meets a need that they have, and we get recognition, laud, and praise for it. That's the kind of significance that I think every one of us wants, but very few of us, if any, actually find. In our gospel lesson for today, we're introduced to someone who is very insignificant, a young girl named Mary. And Mary is from Nazareth, a small town that Luke has to explain to his original readers where it is, what state it is in. It's in Galilee. And Israel is not that big. So if you were familiar with Israel as a landmass, but you had no idea where Nazareth was, what does that say about Nazareth? It was a very small town with not that much going on. And I think those of you who grew up in a small town know what I mean. And Mary was an insignificant girl from an insignificant little town. But we're given another detail about her. She was engaged. Betrothed, we might call it. Pledged to be married. And her engagement could have been for another couple months. It could have been for a couple years, according to the practice of her day. But she was planning on getting married to a guy named Joseph. Himself, not that significant. And so what kind of goals, what kind of plans did they have in their heads, Joseph and Mary? Probably to go ahead and get married, settle down, Joseph find a job, hopefully have some kids, go on with their life. Very successful, a successful home life, but not that significant. If not for the events of our text today, there is no reason we should know who Mary is or know her name or be able to speak it and recognize her. Are we that much more significant than Mary? We want to be, right? We might be very successful. We like to pursue excellence. We think of ourselves as successful people, successful friends, successful fathers, successful workers, students, you name it. We want to do a good job. We want to get that pat on the back. We want to hear that we are making some kind of difference. But deep down we know that true significance, leaving a mark on the earth after we leave it, is 
pretty far from any one of us. And doesn't that show itself whenever we get frustrated or envious of someone else who finds significance, fame, fortune, glory? Like the YouTuber who all of a sudden happens upon millions of dollars just because people like to watch her play video games? Are we envious of that? Because here we are working our hardest, putting effort into making other people's lives better, and it seems like that kind of significance is so far from our grasp. It saddens us to think that as soon as we pass away, it's only a matter of years, if not days, before people forget who we were. Significance is hard to grasp. And success is too. Because we find that our successes are really overblown. We think we did a good job at work the other day, but you know the ways you could have done better. We think we're pretty good friends, that we said the right thing to our grieving friend, but wasn't that just kind of a guess at what the right words were to say? And the fact that they were well-received and it comforted our friends in that moment was kind of just sheer dumb luck. Our successes are not even that important in the grand scheme of things. Neither is our significance. And we as human beings, the way that we work is we are trained, our minds work, to ignore the insignificant. You don't freak out when you see one ant on your counter. You freak out when you see a whole herd of ants eating every piece of food on your counter. If you do need more vitamin C in your diet, you're going to grab the orange, not the leaf of lettuce whose vitamin C content is negligible, right? We ignore the insignificant. But God does not. The fact that Mary could expect to become anything is impossible. She wasn't on track to become the queen of Israel, the queen of Rome. She wasn't going to start a business for herself. She was looking at a normal, humble life, not that much different than anyone else in her day. The fact that anything significant would happen to her was impossible. But God is in the business of doing the impossible. This is not the first miraculous birth story of Scripture. This is not the first time God has intervened in the human story. As you page through your Old Testament, you are introduced to characters like Sarah, who was almost 100 years old by the time she conceived her first son. Or Hannah, who was barren but prayed to God and God granted her Samuel, a prophet, for her son. There's Hagar, there's a woman whose name that we're not even given, but gave birth to Samson, the great judge. And then there's Elizabeth, who was honored to be the mother of John the Baptist, whom we've been talking about for the past two weeks. God is in the business of intervening and doing the impossible. Why? Why would God pay a second of attention to any one of us? Any one of us little ants scurrying around on this rock hurling through space, harming each other, sinning against each other in our vain attempts to make something of ourselves, to find significance for ourselves. Why would God, being God, pay a second of attention to us? No, God does the unthinkable. He does the unlikely. He does the impossible. He loves you. He chooses 
to show you grace. His grace, his favor, is nothing short of a miracle. And so God appears to Mary. He sends his angel Gabriel to give her this amazing news that against all rules of biology, those rules, those laws of nature that God set in place himself, that she was going to give birth to a son. This is not the first miraculous birth story, but this is the first time that this birth took place completely outside of biological laws, outside of the normal circumstances where babies come from. Why did God have to do it that way? Because. Because no one who knew the story is able to say who Jesus' human father is. The reason that God did it this way is so that you and I could look at the baby Jesus and call him as he is, the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, But then why did he have an adoptive father? As to his birth father, his dad was God, but his adoptive father was Joseph, a descendant of David, so that Jesus could be called the son of David. David, the Old Testament king, who was a man after God's own heart, who started off as a shepherd, but God chose him, set him apart to be a king. And time after time, he rode into battle for God's people, against God's people's enemies, and conquered them. And he ruled with justice, with love, but he himself was a fallible human being. Jesus was born to be a king like that, but way better. Because just like kings ride into battle and fight wars for their people, Jesus was born to ride into battle and fight the war for you the war against those tethers that would drag you into insignificance, to fight the battle against sin, against the death that threatens to cut your insignificant life on earth short, and against hell, which your sins deserve. Jesus defeats them all because he is the Son of the Most High. You see, Mary's claim to fame is simply because of who her son was. Mary herself, insignificant before this happened, but after this happened, we can speak about her, and you all know who I'm talking about. It's not because of anything within her, right? It was simply because of her role in the story. And all, what did Mary have to do in this story? She had to carry a baby and give birth, which is not easy by any means, Not that I'm speaking from experience, but we can hardly call it unusual, right? Babies are born every day. Why should Mary be any different of a mother? It's because of who the baby is. Her significance is found in who the child she bore was and what his name means. They were to name this son Jesus, which means the Lord saves That every time they called Jesus to dinner, they would be reminded why he was born, to save. That every time we say the name Jesus, we are confessing a truth, that God came and dwelt among us. He was born of Mary so that he could save us. And that's where you have a lot more in common with Mary than you might think. Your circumstances are entirely different than hers, sure. But your significance 
is given to you through the son that she bore. Because through him you see God's favor. See, the real miracle of this text is not the miraculous virgin birth, as amazing as that is. The real miracle is why this even happened at all. That God looked down on you and loved you to miraculously give you a Savior to save you. That's the miracle. That's what goes beyond all logic, beyond all laws of nature. Because that's God's miraculous love, his miraculous favor. And so as you go about your life, pursuing excellence, pursuing success, you do so as one who is already significant. When you comfort your grieving friend, when you work hard at your job, when you pursue excellence as students, as sons and daughters, as husbands and wives, in all of your vocations, you do so as people who are already significant because you do so as members of King Jesus' kingdom, as citizens of King Jesus' reign. You are already significant. That's what Jesus came to give you, freely. Not because of anything within you, Just like Mary got her significance, not because of anything within her, but all by God's miraculous favor. Listen again to our gospel lesson for today and see yourself in this story from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, with, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Amen. Amen.